The place of scripture that I will read is Luke chapter 24, verse 44, our unchanging epigraph that we hear when we study the Word of God. And Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and Psalms concerning me. And as we know, with Christ, all of this has been fulfilled. These words he had spoken in that day when he was taken up, in the fortieth day after his resurrection, where he came, where his disciples and those with him were discerning and pondering upon all of the final events that had occurred. And many of them had not yet Perhaps some did, some didn't, but some were doubtful. And when they discussed this, what had happened, he came to them. This was a sub the supper, and he had spoken the following wor words. That he says, I spoke all of this to you. And they came out, they went on to the mountain of Ilion when he had blessed them. He, having raised his hands, he had disappeared, he had left. But they, with gladness, returned and waited for the Holy Spirit. As we know, we are partakers of the body of Christ, and all that was with Christ will occur with us. But in order for it to occur with us, we are continuing to study those living words that Christ has left us with, and the Holy Spirit is with us today in order to remind us of these words. And we are studying what we must do so that cooperating with the truth of the Word of God, we could fulfill our calling that is comprised of us receiving the right to the, to the authority to set aside our former way of life, to renew our thinking, and to be clothed or to clothe our bodies into a new way of life. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. That you may set aside the former way of life, growing corrupt in his deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness of truth. And as we know, this is the calling. This is the calling of each of us. And for the fulfillment of this commandment, there are three basic commands and verbs that are necessary for us to do. This is to set aside, renew, and to clothe. And we know that on this will depend our final destination. Will, be, will we be made vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath upon which God will guide his anger and this and he will pour out his anger fully upon these vessels of anger. and we are studying the second part of the 17th or the 18th psalm of david which uncovers the contents of a just prayer that is inherent to kings priests and prophets psalm 17 verses 1 through 4 i will love you O lord my strength the lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer my God, my rock of Israel, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation. 
My stronghold, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. And we know that this kind of prayer in which David proclaims his portion in the eight names of God, this inherited portion that is found in Christ Jesus, it tells us that this prayer is done and made in a covenant with God and that this kind of prayer is the strategic teaching and that's why we are studying it and we are dwelling continually in this teaching. And the royal garments in order to clothe us because our proclamations clothe us and we are studying. This is the prayer and it is necessary for us to take this prayer and to pray with this prayer. And if a person through instruction and faith has not accepted the anointing given to him to reign over his calling, then this revelation will not bring him any benefit. So if he has not accepted the promise, the promise for his body, if he has not accepted, if our new man, if he does not know this truth, many don't know the differences between the new and old, and we are blessed that we know, and we know we can fight against our old man, and we can first take off the old man and then clothe ourselves in our new man. And this is the true joy that is in this. Today we will be reminded of the definitions. Pastor has given us eight definitions of this name of God's shield, and we will remember them. I know that many of you dwell in this. You know this very well and pray with these words. But I would like to share my testimony that listening, hearing these words as Pastor had taught us in our Episcopals, to take them and to turn them into prayer. These definitions are given to us, the purpose, the price, the result. We don't just need to remember them, we need to take them in order to turn them into prayer. Many say, we can't remember all of this. We have these notes. When Elijah had left from Ahab, he came to the brook Cherith. He took his scrolls with him. He couldn't hold everything in his memory. When Apostle Paul was in prison, he asked that the books be brought to him. This at that time was so precious. Today we have this in our phones, and our iPads, wherever you want. You are con constantly carrying a person with your phone. We don't have any person besides our pastor who would not carry their phone everywhere. This I can say 100%. And what do we do? We don't just use the phone to talk with one another, but we have the whole information contained in it. I use my phone, so I send myself, I need to learn a place of scripture. As I'm listening, I can take and send myself a small definition or a place of scripture. And then in the evening when you're praying, when you're brushing your teeth, you place it in front of you and you can uh, remember it, but in, not just remember it, but in prayer to turn to God. God knows our our prayer, or our thoughts. When I spoke with a young girl, I said, no one knows our thoughts besides God. And this little girl says, how is this? How is this? I must be careful how I think so I don't think about anything wrong, even if a small child can, can recognize this. So our, our thinking could either be directed in a prayer to God, or we might completely destroy ourselves with our thoughts. And therefore, we will remember eight definitions 
we have about an hour and I think we will be able to, perhaps those that have not yet remembered these eight definitions, these are eight words that we need to remember. We need to remember so that then with these words we can turn to God. So talking about shield, the name shield in scripture is like a living shield that is meant for God to warriors of prayer in the dignity of their military equipment. This is not just God building a wall and protecting us from our enemies, all our enemies. No, this is Him. Wherever the enemy is coming, He stands before our enemy. But for this, we need to fulfill certain conditions and we are studying what we need to fulfill. The name of God in the dignity of a living shield is comprised of us standing between us and our enemies and thus to take upon Himself the blow of the sinister fate passed on to us through the perishable seed of the sinful life of our fathers. to be our living shield to take upon himself the blow of the sinister fate pursuing us through the sinful seed of our fathers this is to protect us from the anger of god first god first and foremost he protects us from his own anger this we know because in us lives the old man and when we discover this man when our new man is born then he discovers the old man and there is all uncleanliness in the old man. The, in him is hell in the underworld. And of course, the anger of God is burning. And he, if we fulfill our correct conditions that we need to know without knowing them, and we accept it through instruction and faith, having accepted these instructions, we can fulfill those conditions. And they are not at all difficult. They are very simple. We know this. And he protects us from the seduction of the evil one, from the evil and slandering tongue that are like the fiery darts today that kill the inheritance of God. But if God is going to be our shield, we are going to be protected from the curse of every kind of illness, the curse of illness, the curse of poverty, curse of premature death, and from the vain life passed on to us by our forefathers. And listen very attentively, attentively what I'm going to read right now. These words are very important because God receives the basis to give us help and protection from our enemies exclusively with those powers that are contained in His name, shield, only as an answer to the protection of God from His enemies found in our decaying body, in the subject of our fleshly thoughts and corrupt desires. God has enemies from which He can't be protected from. These enemies, only we can protect God from these enemies. And God is going to protect us only after we protect Him. It is written only as an answer to the protection of God from His enemy from his enemies and these enemies are found in our body and these are the fleshly thoughts and corrupt desires that we need to hold captive and then to destroy and we know how to do this 
We should not forget that all of the works of God that are tied to His protection are called to be done through the collaboration of our faith with the faith of God, or rather through our obedience to the preached word. If, upon studying our inherited portion in the dignity of the name of God's shield and all the other virtues that we have gone over, we have already studied the name strength, rock, fortress, deliverer, rock of Israel, and now we are studying living shield, this whole inherited portion. If we study these powers outside of the proclamation of the faith of God, if we do not proclaim this portion, in prayer before God if we don't thank Him because thanksgiving is the key that opens the door. If we take these definitions that God gives us and we don't thank God, we are going to go in an unfaithful direction and we will arrive not at the protection of God but to our own perdition. It's very dangerous and very important, very important to learn and not even just to learn but to take these notes, to take our whatever you have and to thank God. Otherwise, a person is going to listen, listen, sit many years in church. He might even learn everything so that then in their cell groups, he can, before his friends and his circle of friends, show his knowledge, show his importance, what this is going to bring to perdition. Therefore, it is very important for us to look at these powers through the proclamation in prayer. Because God and all of His unchanging names can be the portion of our inheritance only when this portion becomes the subject of the proclamation of the faith of God that is contained in our good hearts. And of course, before we receive the right to power to proclaim, we need to pay a price for discipleship. All of us have done this, that's why we're here today and we are learning. We have accepted that apostle that God has sent us. We have accepted those Episcopals that we have today that lead our small groups and pray for us. And they try to bring to us that word and again to pass it along. We are great, very grateful for this. And we will move on to the definition. As I mentioned, we had eight definitions. In the first, God in manifesting His name, the Dini of a living shield, taking upon Himself the blow directed by our enemies against us is a shield only to Abraham and his descendants. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. What's significant is that God revealed Himself to Abraham in the dignity of His living shield only after certain events took place, and we will remember these events. For God to become our living shield, it is necessary for us to be descendants of Abraham. And so first, in order to be a descendant of Abraham, we need to be born again through the acceptance of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, as it is written, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 through 14. The result of the fact that we have truly accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior 
will be the knowledge that in Christ Jesus, God does not impute to us both the sin we inherited and the sin that we personally produced by us and justifies us, provided that we have placed ourselves in Christ Jesus in partaking to a good wife who has the dignity of a narrow gate. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while still uncircumcised. He might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised. Their righteousness might be imputed to them also, and the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of the faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. For the promise that he would be the heir of peace was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So in order to be partakers to Abraham, we were born, we were born of God from the word of truth. And secondly, uh, we prove this and that as descendants of Abraham, we must walk according to the ways of Abraham. And this means to forget our nation, the house of our father, and the corrupt lust of our soul. And the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. At one point, the Pharisees and Sadducees said to Jesus, We are children of Abraham. But he said, You are not children of Abraham. Jesus said, You are children of the devil. If you were the children of Abraham, you would have done the works of Abraham. You would have accepted. Jesus was a messenger. And he had shown them that the children of Abraham walk according to the ways of Abraham. And therefore, this blessing for God to be our shield, this blessing belongs to Abraham and his descendants. And therefore, we can inherit this inherited portion. God is our shield in Christ Jesus through Abraham. And for this, we need to walk according to the ways of Abraham and the conditions that would give us the ability to forget our nation, our father's house, and the corrupt lusts of our soul inherited through the genetic lineage from the vain seed of our fathers in the flesh are represented in many passages of scripture and here is one of them. Psalms 45.10 Listen, O daughter, consider and incline your ear. Forget your own people also and your father's house. From this passage of scripture, which gives God a basis to be our living shield, taking upon himself the blow directed against us by our enemies who live both in our body and outside our body, four requirements are presented in four commanding verbs, which we know very well. This is to hear what God says, to see what God is doing, to incline our ear to God's words, and for this, as we know, we need to incline fully. We can't just incline our ear. We need to fully incline to the words of God and to forget our people and our Father's house. 
These four actions give us the basis to take responsibility for protecting our calling, which consists in inheriting the promised land by which we should understand our role for the adoption of our body to the redemption of Christ. And so what happened to Abraham after which God revealed himself to Abraham in the dignity of his living shield? When God said that your reward is exceedingly great, which gave him this blessing. The fact is, is that as soon as Abraham's feet entered the land promised to him under which our body should be considered, God entrusted Abraham with the responsibility for guarding the borders of the promised land under which the body of Abraham was figuratively viewed. After Abraham split from Lot, we remember this story when the four Babylonian kings, they went against the five Canaanite kings. And they had uh, taken Lot into captivity, who was the nephew of Abraham and all that he had. And they went their way. But given that Abraham was responsible for this land, we are studying this in ourselves right now. As we know, Abraham represents the new man in our body, who has come to the full measure of the stature of Christ, who has taken responsibility upon himself to save his soul and destroy the power of death in his body and in its place to erect the power of imperishability. The four Babylonian kings represent the image of the rational capabilities of our soul, claiming power over our body in the dimensions of the north, south, east, and west. All the five Canaanite kings represent in our body the image of the emotional sphere of our soul in the functions of the five senses. To put into its dependence the sphere of our rational capabilities, which captured this sphere of our feelings, our new man in the face of Abraham in this battle captivated in his body both the sphere of his rational capabilities and the sphere of his feelings. A meeting with the king of so Sodom and Melchizedek, king of Salem, in the king's valley, he separated a tenth of his best spoils for Melchizedek, king of Salem, in order to testify before God the Most High that he was the best spoil of God the Most High, which he captivated in the death of his son. To summarize this component, it follows that God, in the manifestation of His name in the dignity of a living shield, taking on Himself the blow directed against us by our enemies, reveals Himself only for Abraham and his descendants by faith, who, like Abraham, left their people, their father's house, and their carnal life in the face of Lot, in order to give God a foundation to lead us into the inheritance of His promises in the subject of the land of Canaan, representing the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ. So only when we accept the promise regarding the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ does God become our shield. Otherwise, who do we protect it from if we don't contend for anything? This was the first, the first definition of a living shield, that God is the reward and blessing, a living shield. He is a living shield to only Abraham and his descendants. Second, God in, a, in the manifestation of His name in the dignity of living shield 
which takes on himself the blow directed against us is the shield in the blood of the covenant for those who anointed Passover with the blood of the lamb, the crossbar and doorposts of the doors of their nature. Exodus 12, 13. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Figuratively, the authority in the meaning of the name of God's shield represented in the blood of the covenant, we remember, is manifested in the golden shield made by King Solomon, which he placed in the house of the forest of Lebanon. Second Chronicles chapter 9, verses 15 through 16. And King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold. 600 shekels of hammered gold went into each shield. He also made 300 shields of hammered gold. 300 shekels of gold went, went into each shield. Then King put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. And as Pastor had noted for us, that this was interesting and in that these golden shields that Abraham had made or that Solomon had placed they were not used for warfare they were not meant because we know that gold is a very soft material they were intended as an image of the fruit of righteousness of faith for waging war in the spiritual dimension a house made of Lebanese cedar is an image of arranging ourselves into a house of prayer inherent in the righteousness that we have found in the blood of the covenant and this righteousness we gained through obedience of our faith to the faith of God, in which we consider ourselves dead to sin, but alive for God, calling the non-existent power and perishable life in our body as existent. And thus we affirm our participation in the community of the sons of Israel, who have been given this protection, which is in the blood of the covenant. Psalms 92, verses 12 through 15, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. To declare that the Lord is upright, He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in Him. The way in which golden shields were hammered for a house from a Lebanese tree is the purified lips of a person, professing the faith of God, abiding in a heart, purified from dead works. To summarize, it follows that God, in the manifestation of His name in the dignity of a living shield, taking upon Himself the blow that is directed against us by our enemies, reveals Himself in the blood of the covenant, sprinkled on the lintel and doorposts of our essence, yielding our redemption from the vain life of our fathers, which makes our body a house made out of Lebanon trees, in which are found the golden hammered shields representing the image of the covenant of blood. So when we accept redemption, having accepted redemption, our body becomes the house made of cedar trees, Lebanese trees, in which we can then place these shields. This is our house. This is our shield. This is us that must hammer these shields. And hammering means we must continually, continually, this is our prayer, we must continually proclaim. Oftentimes we say one and the same, one and the same thing, perhaps, but this one and the same thing are the words of God. In them is such depth, a depth of riches, 
and I rejoice, I rejoice each time I proclaim these words. I, for several years, I don't know how many years as pastor, when, when he has, since he has told us to proclaim certain things as, as far as who we are in Christ, who Christ in for us, to sing the song of victory, which we sing every day, to sing the song that is upon me, upon the renewal of my house. I do this every day, and every day I see more and more. And this is not that the Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, which might be common in Orthodox churches. I know that there are also true people there that worship God in spirit and true in these Orthodoxy churches. But when we learn, when we learn these words, these words are the words of God. In them is such depth, such beauty. And I am uh, astonished. And this is the hammering with which we hammer these shields. These are our shields. They must be in us. This is our prayer. And these shields will protect us from enemies. And also, they will help us in battle in order to take and in order to come to perfection. And they will help us to erect the power of imperishability in our bodies. That was a second component. The first one was for Abraham and his descendants. This is the blessing and the inheritance of a living shield. The second is the blood of the covenant. If we just remember it, the blood of the covenant, which is our shield. The third, God in manifesting his name and the dignity of a living shield, taking upon himself the blow that is directed at us by our enemies, is presented in the truth of the word of God that is hidden in three functions of our essence, our good heart, our renewed thinking, and our meek lips that confess the faith of God hidden in our heart. Psalms 91, 4 His truth shall be your shield and buckler. And in and, and defining all of these definitions, we are given very, all places of scriptures are very short. Sometimes it's good, not sometimes, but it's always good, to learn places of scriptures because it is in this place of scripture that this place of scripture that will direct us correctly and from this place of scripture we will push off from it and we'll see that beauty and that depth. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. When you ponder upon it, you can ponder upon it day and night and be immersed into this depth of riches and rejoice and see that beauty that is contained and this is our inheritance. We should know that the truth of the word of God that is, the protection and shield can be hidden in our heart only in the commandments and statutes that dwell in our heart, which gives us the legal right and ability to proclaim them and fulfill them. We won't be able to fulfill if we don't proclaim these words, so that in this manner we can inherit the promise of eternal life that is called to reign in our body in the dignity of the power of life through the prayer of faith. Again, I highlight through the prayer of faith, we turn this to God in our prayer, which fulfills the requirements of the word of truth located in the breastplate of judgment of the high priest. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope, I trust in your word. Psalms 119 verse 114. And we have noted on numerous occasions one unceasing truth. That all that God has done from the beginning upon the creation of the visible and invisible universe 
He does today, holding up the visible and invisible universe with His Word. He does this all through His Word that is in the lips of warriors, a prayer that are filled with the Holy Spirit. I hear more than ever in the dignity of a shield. I saw the importance, how important it is to take and I always did this because we are taught so in the night prayers we are reminded just take the notes and through the prayers so I don't have time to go through the whole notes in one night prayer sometimes I might stop at one page um, and this is very important because these are true words it says take the words of prayer and come to me because God does all of this through our prayer through a correct prayer and that not just we're going to come up with something with our mind we don't need to think something with our mind our part is easy upon us is the responsibility God has done everything that we need he has given us needed for life and godliness we take and we begin to proclaim and like Abraham we call the inexistent as existent and then this moment will come in our lives and as was with Jesus, and the part, my body, all that was written about him, was called to be fulfilled. Let all these words that was written about me in the laws of prophets and psalms, all of this will be fulfilled with us. And therefore the word of God and the dignity of a prayer in the lips of the person filled with the Holy Spirit, dwelling and acting with his strength in the boundaries of truth, hidden in the heart and the status of the reigning teaching of Christ in the subject of the twelve base teachings of the walls of Jerusalem, which is the mother to us all, in the lips of this kind of person becomes equal in its powers to the words of God that are able to give God the basis to become a living shield, taking upon himself the blow that is directed at us by our enemies. Our words become equal to the words of God because we take His words. We are His part. We have been born of Him. Having accepted the promise, we become partakers of His essence. And therefore, our words, of course, will become equal in power to the words of God. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Matthew 12, 35-37 Trust in the word of faith kept in our heart and proclaimed in prayer with our lips is trust in the specific promises accepted and understood by us through the preached word of truth that dwells and is affirmed in our heart, which gives God the basis to be our living shield taking upon himself the blow first from the enemies found in our body in the face of reigning sin in the subject of the corrupt desires of the flesh second from the enemies that are found around us in our congregations in the face of carnal wicked and lawless people then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him if you abide in my word you are my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free John chapter 8 verses 31 through 32 If we due to our ignorance and stiffness are not knowledgeable about the old way of good in the dignity of the reigning teaching of Christ in the twelve foundations of the walls of Jerusalem 
who is the mother to us all. And this means that we have not given God the legal basis to reveal Himself in our body as a living shield. And then all of our attempts and all of our energy will be useless. It is very important for us to know and study this teaching, to learn it. Otherwise, it is written that if the Lord does not protect the city, whatever we may do, if God will not become our shield, then we will perish. But it's very important, very important to fulfill these conditions. They are simple. But if we fulfill them, if we fulfill them, God becomes our shield, and against God, we know that no one can rise. We are in a complete protection. That's why today, those people that have entered into this rest, that have been found in Christ and have, have contained Christ in themselves, they are found in complete peace. Whatever may happen, they know one truth, that all that happens in this world, all of the sunrises, sunsets, all that God allows, all the anomalies in nature, wars, earthquakes, whatever may happen, God does this in order to discipline His, to test His bride. He has selected her. Now He is disciplining her and preparing her. God no longer searches for the bride. He has already found her. And we, as we hear and we know that we are found at the doorstep and God is preparing and He is conducting His final steps. It's very important to not think that God is going to stop the sun. Pastor said that God can do something very, very quickly and we are going to have enough time when, when, when we are clothed, we will continue to study. No, it will be too late. God gives time right now. And right now, He says, right now He is stopping the sun over our essence and He is stopping it and doing everything so that we can enter and prepare ourselves. One sister said to me, well, that's not just. I thought, how can you say that this is not just? Pastor said that God will do everything. Well, no, this can't be. God is a just judge. God is a righteous judge. And it is written, and whoever does not turn, he will bring out his sword. He has a sword. And I know that he is already sharp, but he is preparing it. He is preparing it to be even more sharper. He is preparing his arrow so that this arrow, these arrows, can be painful. Not just God will reach the target. He is preparing them to make them sharp. And he shoots them at the vessels of anger. And we know from us depends on whether or not we make ourselves vessels of mercy or vessels of anger. Will we want to fulfill our calling to take off the old man, to leave everything, to renew our thinking and to enter into this rest? There is no greater joy than this, than to enter into this rest and to be in Christ. the lack in our heart of in the truth the dignity of the reigning teaching of Christ and the 12 base teachings of the walls of Jerusalem who is the mother to us all makes us enemies of God and enemies of his messengers as it is written 
that we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the carnal man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have renewed our thinking, having first taken off the old man, and therefore we have the mind of Christ. And we can judge, and we no longer resist the truth. We accept it, uh, bow before it, and we cherish it. To summarize this component, God in manifesting His name in the dignity of a living shield, taking upon Himself the blow that is directed against us by our enemies, reveals Himself in the truth of His Word hidden in our heart, in our renewed thinking, and in our words that proclaim the faith of our heart in the dignity of the reigning teaching of Christ, which gives the Holy Spirit the basis to reveal the truth of the teaching of Christ hidden in our heart. That was the third. So the first one, if we just simply remember the words Abraham, second, blood of the covenant, third, truth, hidden in the three functions of our essence. Fourth, God in manifesting his name in the dignity of a living shield, taking upon himself the blow of the the blow of our enemies against us discovers himself in living in the living protection of our sovereign boundaries and the protection of his sovereign boundaries and the protection of the sovereign boundaries of our neighbor. This was a very interesting component. So, our sovereignty is the shield of God. Deuteronomy 19.14 shall not remove your neighbor's landmark which the men of old have set in your inheritance which you will inherit in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. To understand the manifestation of God in this component in the dignity of our living shield, we need to view two fundamental things, two fundamental uh, truths. At first, how does God view the land of Canaan? He views it as hallowed unto him as a subject of his redemption, having redeemed it by the blood of the cross of Christ from the prince of darkness. The two fundamental truths, how God views the land of Canaan, and second, how he views the habitation of the sons of Israel in the land of Canaan. He views them as sojourners. Therefore, those who are not strangers or sojourners, sojourners are those that have died to their nation, and have become a part of the people of God. They will not ask a question, well, who is my people? Well, what kind of nation must I pray for? All of us. There is such a mix. I don't know if there is one person that is pure for there to be a pure Jew, for there to be a pure German. All of us have all. What kind of nation do I pray for? People ask. We are citizens of heaven. Our nation is God's nation. Therefore, we pray for God's chosen remnant, we pray about those saints. 
So God views Pastor, yeah, he said a lot, and I had tried to sum, summarize this because I wanted to just summarize all eight components of the definitions of the living shield. Here, Pastor had said a lot. This was a separate sermon on this point. The two fundamental truths, how God views the land of Canaan and on what conditions or how does he view the habitation of Israel in this land and according to what criteria did the sons of Israel inherit a portion in the land of Canaan. And so the land of Canaan is hallowed unto God. God views his people as foreigners and this must ring to all of those people whose hearts whose heart is in pain for their nation, not for the nation of God, but their own nation, for a nation, whatever nation it may be, white, black, red, doesn't matter. If your heart is in pain, this must be a ring. We have not died to our nation. We can say a lot, but everyone can check only their hearts. And next, According to what criteria did the sons of Israel inherit a portion in the land of Canaan? This is because they must have evidence that they are redeemed. The redemption of their soul before the Lord, which was viewed as a memorial before God or remembrance before God. This is a very interesting place of scripture. Now we'll read it. Deuteronomy 11, 10 through 12. For the land, the Lord said to Moses, saying, When you number the sons of Israel, then let each one and there will be account among the people Exodus chapter 30 verses 11 through 16. And you shall take the atonement money of the children of Israel and shall appoint it for the service of the tabernacle of meeting that it may be a memorial for the children of Israel before the Lord. When God gives salvation, He gives it and he gives it the same. It depends on us how we accept it. And as we know that the numbering of the people was sanctification, and God had established the same price for everyone, he gives all to us in the seed, whether it be justification, whether it be salvation, we accept it in a seed. And we ourselves become this seed. Our part, our price is to die along with this seed. This is our price to pay, price that is for the same to all. No one pays more, no one pays less. All of us must place the seed through death to be, immer to be clothed and immersed in. We have to be immersed in the death of the Lord Jesus. But given that we are found in Christ, this is not a terrifying. We are not going to endure all of those hellish torments because Christ takes this upon himself. We are found in him. He hides us in this death as his anger passes by. When we immerse into this death and having hidden us as Jesus, we must continue to pray and believe that he will not leave our soul in hell and he will not allow his Holy One to see decay. 
These are the words of David. These are the words of Jesus. He had prayed according to these words. Because in that moment, when he had to go up on the cross and to take all of our uncleanliness, all of our illnesses, our troubles, this whole horror upon himself, we know that he did not have help in the sense that he had to do this. God couldn't deliver him from this. We heard not too long ago that God will not, not deliver us. This means that we must die. Yes, this is painful. Yes, this is terrifying. But on the other end, we have hope, we have trust that He will not leave our soul in hell and He will not allow His Holy One to see decay. He will resurrect us and we must believe in this. Redemption. Redemption is given as grace. Salvation. We said that all is given as a gift. Having accepted justification as a gift according to grace, redemption in Christ Jesus. And as we know, the truth of the blood, we have accepted the blood of the covenant. God gives us this as a gift, but we need to go on further and accept the truth about the cross. The truth about the cross tells us that we need to die. But if we do not take the truth about the cross, which is our power, then the blood will cease to work for us. The blood will lose its power for us. Our whole treasury is contained in the blood, but the key is the cross, that we need to die in the death of the Lord Jesus. And grace will turn to, uh, if there is no teaching of grace, as Pastor said, grace is not a warm blanket that covers all of our sins and it's nice for us underneath it, but grace teaches us that it can be revealed that the Grace could be revealed to all men, and so that it teaches us so that we, having rejected uncleanliness and the fleshly lust, we, upon taking off our old man, we, it is so that we could live godly in this world, waiting for our blessed hope in the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has given Himself to us in order to cleanse for himself a special people who is zealous to good works. We are his special nation. And he had died for this special nation, had died and risen. And we will return to the decree that fulfilling which gives God the basis to be our living shield against our enemies in our body as well as outside our body, which states, you shall not remove your neighbor's landmark which the men of old have set in your inheritance which you will inherit in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. We should note that this decree was already ratified or already affirmed from the position of Mount Ebal and Gerizim. Cursed is the one who moves his neighbor's landmark. 
and all the people shall say, Amen, Deuteronomy 27, 17. From this decree it follows that every person is blessed when he does not violate his neighbor's landmark. And so the reason why we violate our neighbor's landmark given to him in Christ Jesus is due to the presence of a controlling spirit which discovers itself in hideous selfishness. And Pastor had given to us three definitions. What is our portion? The landmarks of a portion are the boundaries that outline a lot in the land of Canaan, which was given to the sons of Israel that were a part of the numbering of the portion given by Lot to their fathers. This is our body. Second, landmarks of a portion is our calling. And third, this is the level of our faith. This is definition about what are the landmarks of our portion. For I say through the gates given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think himself more highly than he ought to think, but to give to think to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Measure of faith is a measure of knowledge. Understanding our capabilities hidden in the potential of the collaboration of our faith with the faith of God depends on the correct understanding of the potential of our faith, placed dependent on our dedication which was preceded by a level of sanctification that depended on the level of our spiritual maturity. We first are sanctified. So having accepted this seed, we die. We must be sanctified. We must be separated from something. And we were separated not just to be sanctified, making ourselves pure, but for one goal in order to dedicate ourselves to God. And this level of dedication uh, this is what this level of dedication, this is what this is referring to here. At the same time, both the overestimation of the capabilities of the measure of our faith and their underestimation will either push us to violate the landmark of the portion of our neighbor or will allow both our neighbor and our enemies to violate the landmark of our sovereign lot. Therefore, both the underestimating the measure of our faith and overestimating expressing our calling can become an obstacle for God to reveal Himself to us as our living shield. And with regard to this, we have four questions. We looked, we had studied how God views the land of Israel and how He views, this is hallowed unto God. He looks at the land, we are this land. He looks upon us if we have accepted redemption we have accepted justification, we have accepted the promise regarding the adoption of our body, God views us as hallowed unto Him. Our bodies are hallowed unto Him. And now let us take a look at what for us in the limits of our body as well as the limits of the body of Christ are the limits of the image of the land of Canaan. Because we are a part of this body. And four questions. So the first one, which for us in the limits of our body as well as in the limits of the body of Christ representing our prayer assembly are the limits of the image of the land of Canaan first one on one hand the image of the land of Canaan in the limits of our body is the soil of our heart that is called to produce fruit of the spirit that is comprised of all goodness righteousness and truth and on the other hand this is the limits of our perishable body to which belongs the promise of imperishability through adoption through the redemption of Christ because in our body as we know live two opposing 
people that are invisible to the eye. The old man and the new man. The old man in the face of reigning sin. And I know in many of us, in the majority of us, this sin no longer reigns. He is tied, he is in prison, and he is waiting for when God with a sound will overthrow him. And we are continuing to sing this victorious song, and I sing it with joy, with great satisfaction, out loud. Usually this is when I drive to work in the morning. I like to proclaim, because other definitions, who we are in Christ, we can do so in our mind. Do it, that's good. If you don't have an opportunity to do that loud. But the victorious song, it's impossible to sing in the mind, because we must uh, proclaim it so that the old man can hear it. And the old man does not know our thoughts, only God knows our thoughts and we and ourselves. Whereas the image of the land of Canaan and the limits of the body of Christ is God's chosen remnant which is resisted by carnal, wicked, and lawless people who contend for the kingdom of heaven and up until the time of harvest grow on one field. Second question, what in our body should be viewed as our portion in the limits of the land of Canaan? In the image of our portion, in the limits of the land of Canaan, representing in our perishable bodies the imperishable soil of our heart, is called to be the purity of our heart. The purity of our heart, presented in the dignity of our conscience that is cleansed of dead works, which, as on a seal, is sealed the rule of the reigning teaching of Christ. Whereas the image of our portion in the limits of the land of Canaan, representing the body of Christ in the face of God's chosen remnant, is unanimity with the person who represents for us the delegated fatherhood of God. Third question, who should we view in our body as our neighbor, whose landmarks we must not violate, as well as who should we view in the body of Christ as our neighbor, whose landmarks we must not violate? Because violating landmarks, God will not be our shield, and this will be dangerous. The enemy will, uh, the enemy will come upon us immediately. The image of our neighbor and our body, whose landmarks we are forbidden to violate, is our new man. That's why we need to protect him very well. In the image of our neighbor and the body of Christ, whose landmark we are forbidden to violate, is the person who represents for us the delegated fatherhood of God. This is our pastor, this is our messenger, apostle, whom God has given to us. This is that big gift which we must be zealous for. And it is written, and shame be upon those who reject the teaching. Shame and poverty be upon those who do not accept the words of the messengers of the Lord. He who does, he will eat of the sweet fruits from this from this fig tree. I liked this on Sunday when Pastor had talked about this. In the image of our neighbor, as every person who has in his spirit the dignity of a sojourner, an orphan, and a widow. And we know very well these definitions. Sojourner, orphan, and widow, they are united by death, death to nation, death to the house of their father, 
and death to the old man, to reigning sin. And so if a person does not have the state of a sojourner, an orphan, and a widow, he is not our neighbor. And the fourth question, what must be done so that on one hand, we do not violate the landmarks of our neighbor, and on the other hand, do not allow someone to violate the landmark of our portion? To not violate the landmark of our neighbor, both in our body and the body of Christ, we must stand in liberty which was given to us by God in the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Galatians 5.1 Stand therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. First, to stand in the liberty of Christ means to be freed from the authority of sin in our body through collaboration with the truth of the blood of Christ and the truth of the cross of Christ, which opens the path to the growth of the tree of life. And second, to stand in the liberty of Christ means to be freed from all control of people, carnal, wicked, and lawless, who are found in our congregations by way of presenting the members of our body as servants of righteousness. Romans 6.19 I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, for just as you present in your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Proceeding from this and other scriptures, it follows that this is from beginning to end the choice of a person in which he makes a decision to reject the interests of the old man so as not to consult with flesh and blood to gain power for the right to represent the interests of his new man. Thus, in doing so, we protect the landmarks of our neighbor, our new man. Violation of the landmark of our neighbor's portion occurs due to our ignorance comprised of stiffness, as well as due to a controlling spirit that discovers selfishness in itself. As we know that this controlling spirit is found in the old man, and we all have this old man, and that's why a pastor says we all need to pray for God to show us if we have this controlling spirit and to be freed from it, not to take control of someone else, to fulfill our obligations, in other words, to not get into someone else's territory. Sometimes we really want to help. We really want to help, but no one's asked you, sit in your place and don't go anywhere and you'll be easier. Uh, it'll be easier for you and it'll be easier for the other person. And therefore, this is a very important truth. Based on these words, those that have a controlling spirit and depend on the controlling spirit of people living with them and among them are those that refuse to stand in the liberty given to us by Christ from reigning sin in their body. And therefore, those that control and those that get controlled lose their right to God's protection. Sometimes, we see on a side, uh, we oftentimes don't see ourselves, but we see others. Oh, he, this is such a person with a controlling spirit, we think. Well, let God give us the opportunity to see us and observe ourselves and to not lose that right to the protection of God. 
This was the fourth component. We have gone over four. First was Abraham. We are descendants of Abraham. Second is the blood of the covenant. Third is the truth. We are defining a shield. What is shield? We need to be descendants of Abraham to walk in his ways as he walked. We need to have the blood of the covenant as the foundation of our redemption. The blood of the covenant that expresses itself in these golden hammered shields. Third, this was the truth that we have kept in our heart. Now when we pray, we're going to thank God that we have this living shield, that we are descendants of Abraham, that we have the blood of the covenant, that we have the truth that we have hidden in our heart, that we have hidden it in our renewed thinking, and that we are able to proclaim and thank God for this wonderful opportunity to thank Him. And fourth, this is to not violate the landmarks of our neighbor. How do I say it in one word? This, is the, this was the longest component that we had studied. This is sovereignty. This is our sovereignty in one word. The fifth component in the dignity of a living shield taking upon himself the blow directed against us by our enemies discovers himself in favor, offered only to the righteous as an answer to his favor toward God in which he protects the interests of the will of God. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor you will surround him with a shield. In this place of Scripture, the righteousness of a person is viewed by Scripture in the favor of a person toward God, to which God answers this person with His favor, which serves for the righteous as a living shield, crowning His thinking, making the thinking of the righteous inaccessible to the penetration of all kinds of rebelling thoughts rising against God in the face of His messengers. The righteous in Scripture are those that show their favor toward God in the obedience of our, their faith to the faith of God. So the obedience, obedience to that word that we hear in the lips of the person who is the carrier of the seed of the word of truth that follows the fulfillment of this truth according to the statutes of God. God's favor directed at our favor toward Him is a subject of His foreknowledge and predestination in which He demonstrates His favor to us out of eternity, before our origin. The Lord, uh, the Lord from out of eternity has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love, therefore with favor I have drawn you. Jeremiah 31, 3. From this place of scripture it follows that even before the initial dust of the universe existed, God foreknew and predestined each, predestined each of us according to our future relationship toward the truth in the word preached to us and placed us in Christ Jesus to conform us to the image of His Son so that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Romans 8, 29-34 For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He predestined, these He also called. Whom He called, these He also justified. And whom He justified, these He also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all these things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. 
Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God. To summarize, God reveals himself as a living shield toward a righteous person and his favor toward him. So when we, we must first demonstrate favor, as we said, having fulfilled, fulfilling our calling, this is our favor to God. When we proclaim the inexistent power of imperishability in our body, this is which God, what God wants. He wants us to accept this. And when we proclaim this, this is our favor to Him. This is the fulfillment of our role, our part. And then, of course, God will reveal His favor and will fulfill it. The sixth component in defining, we are defining what is a living shield that takes upon itself the blow directed against us by our enemies. This is the armor of God given to us in the dignity of a living shield with which we are called to be armed with in order to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Ephesians 6.16 Above all, taking the shield of faith of which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. The fiery darts of the wicked one, as we know, this is the false testimony of our neighbor that are directed at us. A man who bears false witness against his neighbor is like a club a sword, and a sharp arrow. So let's remember, when our words can be a club, a sword, and a sharp arrow, when we, in a joke, oh, I've, I'm just joking. No, oftentimes this is insulting. We don't realize that our tongue could be this club, this sword and the sharp arrow that might kill our neighbor. Let us be very careful with this. And the reason why our neighbor or we ourselves might behave in such a way is due to um, the collaboration with our old man or due to envy, this old man which is a programmable device of the fallen cherub that has been passed on to us through the sinful seed of our fathers in the flesh. And despite the fact that we have been born from the seed of the word of truth, and our new man became the programmable device of God, with the program of justification in it, accepted by us in the format of a deposit, in our body remained the programmable device of sin, in the face of our old man, with the genetic program of sin in it. And therefore, we need to always stand watch and hold him in this uh, darkness to not give him any kind of window or any kind of uh, any kind of prop to help him stand up. We give him a prop, then woe to us. And therefore, the program that we prefer and with which we will cooperate will become our present as well as our future. After we were born from the seed of the word of truth, we were offered a choice to either collaborate with the program of death containing a programmable device which is reigning sin living in our body in the face of the old man, or with a program of immortality containing the programmable device which is our innermost man, born of God through the seed of the word of truth preached to us. From this it follows 
that when the heart of those that are saved who accepted their salvation in the seat of justification, which is the format of the deposit of their salvation, instead of placing into circulation the death of the Lord Jesus and dying to their nation, the house of their father, and the corrupt lusts of their soul, in order to receive their salvation as a belonging in the fruit of righteousness, they, having turned away from the holy commandment given to them, turn themselves into fulfillers of the program of death and became the enemies of God as well as our enemies, because of which their deceiving words directed at us became the fiery darts of the wicked one. And these fiery darts of the wicked one and the words of people who have filled congregations, this is what pastor is saying, in general, we're not talking about our church specifically. Today, the majority of people, uh, those uh, there, we have a majority of us who have rattled their lips and as an example of our pastor, have placed this bridle of meekness and have become humble. Because after meekness, meekness gives birth to humility and humility is obedience, obedience to death and to death on the cross. And only after this humility are we able to receive grace because it is says, God gives grace to the humble. Therefore, it is very important, all of these steps, we bridle, we accept the seed, we die, we bridle ourselves. We have a wonderful example of this. And after this, we become humble. Obedience, it's very important to have obedience. Without obedience, no one will be able to gain this divine grace. The fiery darts of the wicked one and the words of people who have filled congregations will be directed back to their depths when we demonstrate the verity of God and His holiness and turn their fiery darts back at them and in doing so fulfill the judgment written by God. Because the function of a living shield is found in the state of our just heart and the proclamation of this justice by our lips. My defense is of God who saves the upright in heart. God is a just judge, and God is angry with the wicked every day. If he does not turn back, he will sharpen his sword. He bends his bow and makes it ready. He also prepares for himself instruments of death. He makes his arrows into fiery shafts. Psalm 7 verses 10 through 13. The fruit of righteousness grown in the depths of our new man from the seed of righteousness accepted by us through the preached word of truth is yielded in scripture as the quiver for these darts. And the darts found in this quiver are an image of the fruit of holiness. So our heart becomes this, this quiver in which we keep these arrows, in which God keeps these arrows. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Psalms 127 verses 3 through 5. Based on the above, it follows that to take the shield of faith or to give God the basis to be our living shield means to clothe ourselves in the proclamation of the faith of God dwelling in our heart. And in proclaiming this faith which we accepted through the word preached to us by the messenger of God, who represents for us the delegated fatherhood of God and his helpers, whose words emanate his spirit and are found with him in one spirit. 
Thus, to have the powers of the faith of the heart is to be a carrier of the faith of God, accepted by us through the preached word to us by the messengers of God, which in practice means to continually dwell in the word preached to us and allow the word, word preached to us to dwell in us. John 8, 31-32, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. When we begin to proclaim with our lips the word preached to us, which we accepted in our heart, it becomes for us a living shield which is able to quench all of the fiery darts of the wicked. To summarize, God, in manifesting His name in the dignity of a living shield, taking upon Himself the blow directed at us by our enemies, manifests Himself in the collaboration of our faith with the faith of God, given to us according to His favor, in the word of truth preached to us, which in the quiver of our heart are our areas, are our arrows in the fruit of our spirit, that successfully at the gate of our lips challenge the fiery darts of the wicked, turning these arrows back to their depths. That is why it is very important to proclaim and to fill ourselves with this word. So, it is the favor of God that will be upon us. And this was the sixth component. This is the shield of faith. This is one of the components. There were several of them. Seven, God, in manifesting His name, the dignity of a living shield, taking upon Himself the blow directed by our enemies against us, reveals Himself in our ability to accept in our heart the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, giving revelation to the truth hidden in our heart. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. According to this place of scripture, God is our living shield, taking upon himself the blow directed at us by our enemies, defines himself in the truth hidden in our heart, in the wisdom of the Holy Spirit who reveals the meaning of this truth. So, if we say this in one word, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and the truth wisdom of the Holy Spirit will come only upon the truth, and truth will become a letter that kills if the Holy Spirit is not present there that gives it life and that makes it, that makes this truth alive and makes our heart wise. The meaning of this truth hidden in the state of our just heart is focused on the salvation of our soul and body, in which are presented God's role as well as the role of a person. On one hand, God's rule is comprised of the fact that He reveals to our heart what state our spirit, soul, and body is in upon the presence of the old man in our body, who is the programmable device of reigning sin. And on the other hand, God's role is comprised of the fact that where He reveals to us the power of a just prayer in cooperation with the power of the Holy Spirit. Whereas our role is comprised of using the power of the words of a just prayer in cooperation with the power of the Holy Spirit for the salvation of our soul and body. At first, when we had heard this truth, when I had heard this truth, I thought the new man, the old man, the soul, 
I was completely turned upside down. Where is the old man? Where is the soul? I had mixed all this together. How many times I came and asked these questions. But now we already know. Without having clarity in these questions, we won't know who to challenge, who to fight with, and how to fight. But we know this so clearly now. And we are coming through the last last time is the time will soon end that is why it is important for us to be vigilant and to not lose the precious time because time is also a gift from god and the eighth component the last one and then we will pray the eighth component discovers itself in the state of our just heart so the shield is our just heart the lord he judges the world in righteousness. He shall administer judgment for the people in uprightness. My shield is in the Lord who saves those with a just heart. Psalms chapter 9, verses 7 through 9. It is the righteousness of our heart that is a protection of God in the quality of a living shield who takes upon himself the blow that is directed against us by our enemies. God takes this upon himself. We should note that despite the state of the righteousness of our heart or the uprightness of our heart, as pastor, there is no sermon for him for that in which he doesn't comfort us. Despite Despite this state of uprightness, we may sin. We may fall into sin. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Another place of scripture defines a person that has a just heart, but sinning due to reigning sin living in his body in the face of his old man, who is the programmable device of the fallen cherubim, Scripture states, for a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. Therefore, when we fall, we must not lay, we must right away immediately get up and run to God. If we need to confess, we go and confess the sin. When we confess, it will be easier for us to then not sin, there are sins we know that we don't need to go and confess. There are sins. There are certain sins that we need to go to the messenger of God, to the man, to the person whom God has given the ability to take our sins, to forgive and to proclaim us as justified. Why carry this weight? Why carry? This is so difficult to carry. This is the burden that we don't need to carry. Having sinned, get up, go and run. We remain righteous. We remain the children of God. And I will read uh, what a just heart is, and then we will pray. A just heart is a heart that is unblemished. It is a good heart that is cleansed of dead works. This can be a total prayer. When I take these words, I first thank God, Lord, I thank you. They have made my heart upright, unblemished before you. That you have made my heart good. I thank you that you have made my heart wise, understanding. It is peaceful and faithful to you. It is a heart that dwells in truth, and tr your truth dwells in my upright heart. This heart 
dwells in a covenant of peace with God. The covenant of peace with God dwells in it. I thank you, Lord, for the heart that dwells in unblemished joy, and this unblemished joy dwells in it. It abides in the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit abides in it, and so forth. We will bend our knees and thank God that He is our living shield. This is our reward and our blessing, given that we are children of Abraham, given that we have died to our nation, to the house of our Father, and to our corrupt desires. We have bound our old man. We are walking along the ways of Abraham, and therefore the living shield, God himself as a living shield, has become our shield. We have anointed the blood of the Passover, Pesach, the doorsteps and lentils of our essence. It is anointed with this blood. The truth of the word of God is our shield. It dwells in our heart. It is our shield, our sovereignty to choose, that we did not allow someone to violate our boundaries, to violate others' boundaries. This is the shield, our sovereignty before God. He has made us, He has created us sovereign, and He does not want us to may become the slaves of men, we become we can become slaves only of God with a pierced ear. Favor to God is our shield that crowns us, the armor of God as the shield of God and the wisdom of God in the face of the Holy Spirit and our just heart. All of this if we unite all of this in one, these are eight components of a living shield. We will thank God for this wonderful truth which we keep in our hearts and we will wait for our Savior and Lord. Let Him come. Our Heavenly Father, we bow down before you. We come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, and we thank you for the wonderful inheritance. Our feet have walked along wonderful paths, and our inheritance, which you revealed to us in Christ Jesus, is pleasing to us. I thank you that you are our God, our rock, our strength, our trust. I thank you for all of the sworn promises which we keep in our pure heart that is cleansed of dead works. I thank you for your grace that has come and teaches us how we ought to take off the old man, how to renew our thinking and be clothed into the new man, how to be clothed into your perfect and selective love in order to become perfect as you are perfect. I thank you for your mercy and for your truth. I thank you that you are our living shield. I thank you for Abraham, our father, and for the ability to walk along his ways. We have died to our nation and have become a part of your people. We have died to the house of our father in order to become a part 
of your house. We have died to our corrupt desires in order to fulfill your desires. I thank you, Lord, for the blood of the covenant, for the blood of the Passover lamb, which we have carried upon our essence, the lentils and doorposts. May the blood of the covenant be a shield and buckler for each of us, for us and our families. I thank you for this wonderful promise that you have given. You and your household shall be saved. I thank you, Lord, that we are able to be found in you and you in us because we have placed ourselves in your living uh, church and are a part of the living cell in your body the head of which is you your church that is the pillar of truth I thank you for the truth which we today hide in our essence and the functions of our heart our pure heart our thinking we proclaim it with our pure lips and this is our living shield that protects us from the fiery darts of the wicked one from every curse from the seduction of the evil one from the curse of poverty premature death from the vain life passed on to us from our fathers I thank you Father Heavenly Father for the wisdom of your Holy Spirit that is found in us and we have accepted as the Lord and ruler of our essence I thank you for your wisdom that comes from above that is pure that is peaceful that is obedient full of mercy and good fruit that is not hypocritical your wisdom today is found in our pure heart in the face of the Holy Spirit whom you have sent that he could remind us of all those words which you have spoken and could explain to us that truth that you have revealed that is written in the laws prophets and Psalms I thank you father I thank you for the righteousness and the uprightness of the heart thank you for righteousness that reigns in the fear of the Lord in our hearts I thank you for justification I thank you Lord that you are our God and there is none like you let us live before your countenance and be found in the shadow of your wings for you have heard our vows and you have given us the inheritance of those that fear you the inheritance that is found in your name your name of Thai we bow down before you and thank you for this wonderful inheritance in your name most high Father Son and Holy Spirit Amen our Father who is in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation deliver us from the evil one 
For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We will conclude with our unchanging manifestation, please. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.